Verizon is buying Yahoo in a deal worth more than $4.8 billion. The internet giant has been struggling to keep up with its competitors in search, social media, and video. Yahoo will be integrated with AOL under Verizon and is set to create a new rival in mobile media technology. Oh, we'll see about that. Good morning. It's Tech Talk Today, episode 253. My name is Chris. And I'm Angela, and it's actually the afternoon. I know. It's it's the afternoon this morning uh, here in the Seattle area. That's how we do it, the you Pacific know, that Northwest. That reminds me of Uncle Grandpa. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Good morning this afternoon, Ange. It's yeah. good to be with you. And it's good to be with our Mumble Room type appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hello. Hello. So you guys hello. probably all saw the hello. You guys all probably saw the news. Uh, I didn't. You didn't hear about no, this, huh? this. I I mm. almost thought. Are you retroing a clip? No. Like, I, but nope. yeah, that's nope. kind of funny. This that... this is today. Here's the deeds of the deal. Uh, Verizon okay. is going to be paying four point eight three billion dollars for Yahoo's core assets. This in turn means that when the deal is completed, which is expected Q one of twenty seventeen, the remaining Yahoo will rename itself and become a separate registered publicly traded investment business. As of today, the business that will stand behind post-acquisition by Verizon includes Yahoo's Cash, its shares in Alibaba, and Yahoo Japan, and Yahoo's convertible notes. So this is what's going to be remaining of the company. Everything else, IP that's connected to Yahoo, their core assets, everything like that is going to Verizon. Marissa Mayer, the much-watched CEO who was hired to turn Yahoo, but ultimately did not succeed despite years of acquisitions and big plans, also confirmed directly that she will stay on for the next stage, whatever that may be. But no info comes on what that is. When this is all complete. Hmm. So just like Verizon bought up AOL, they're now vi- buying up Yahoo. That's interesting because Yahoo and AOL, are, they're very similar in that they offer a, a big variety of services, like kind of like a start on their start page, you mm-hmm. know, and they are duplicative at this point. And they both seem to like flirt with a, we're a media company that has technology, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, anybody in the mumble room have any thoughts on the big acquisition? Sort of a historic tech company. So this is the down downside to Yahoo because, um, as I remember, AOL just had some layoffs a year or so ago. So who knows what's no. going to happen with Yahoo? This might just make them smaller. I don't think this is bad. I don't think this is bad. I don't think this is will be good, but I don't think this is bad. I, I, nothing will significant would change. And in fact, it, because of the approaches to zero rated in other locations, not necessarily in the United States, not necessarily in all of the states. This might actually influence Yahoo ability to provide services that they would otherwise not be able to because they will have a big carrier behind them. I do wonder you know, if that could make a difference. For their project. Yeah, perhaps the now Verizon and Verizon Mobile are wireless are separate companies still, uh, but they're same parent company. So there could be some crossbreeding there that does happen between all of them. That would be interesting. Uh, AOL seems to have benefited from being able to spy on Verizon wireless users to target them ads. So that's been good for AOL's ad bottom line. So maybe something will be good for Yahoo. You know, whenever you get to spy on users, everybody's happy except for the <laughs> User. users. Right. Cyanogen Inc. is reportedly firing its OS development arm and switching or pivoting to apps. Now, there's a few things we need to talk about. Cyanogen is a person. Cyanogen Mod is a free open source OS heavily based on Android. Cyanogen OS, a for-profit OS, Cyanogen Inc., a profit, a for-profit company that aims to sell you Cyanogen OS to OEMs, and this is the company that's pivoting. We don't know exactly how so, but Cyanogen has partnered, Inc., has partnered with Microsoft in the past to bundle Bing, Skype, OneDrive, Outlook, and Office into Cyanogen OS, but there's really been no significant OEM deals for the OS, and so the company, at least according to one source is apps. That's their future. 
This could mean the company's mod platform, which is still nothing more than really a generic app store, or it could mean maybe they monetize some of the apps that ship with CyanogenMod Mod or Cyanogen OS, or maybe seen something all entirely differently. But potentially a murky future right now for Cyanogen uh, and uh, Cyanogen Inc. I don't run on any of my phones, but one of the really one of the really you know common responses to criticisms about Android is, well, yeah, but you can put a different ROM on it. So I don't know, Daredevil. What do you think? Is this going to change the game much if they stop making a a commercial arm of this operating system and trying to sell it to OEMs? I have a twisted perception on on CyanogenMod. To be honest, I think it's for enthusiasts. Yeah, and because of that, it won't matter because those users are using it for whatever other odd reasons they're using. And they download they it off jump. the web. They flash it to a device. That kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, That's that a minority. Sense. Minority. It's like no. Yeah. I, I, like. Cyanogen mod is interesting as a concept. It's good that it's out there. Maybe some good ideas will be generated there and then imported to other operating systems. Fine, great. But in itself, eh. Yeah. I don't even see it as a big player. Mosenrath is asking if our previous story also means that Verizon now owns all of his emails. Uh, no, not till uh, Q1 2017. <laughs> so uh, you have until then. Uh, they could always, they could always uh, put the kibosh on it. Good point, uh, Daredevil, and I agree with your take on it as well. So while we're talking about things that only appeal, appeal to like a, a very few um, elite set of users, that's going to be this next story, top to bottom. But I just think it's so freaking cool. In this increasingly complex world, businesses search for solutions that make their IT more dependable and easier to manage. They seek better productivity and lower total cost of ownership. It's not an ad. It's virtualized GPUs. AMD's multi-user GPU, or MXGPU for short, delivers workstation-class graphics from the data center, providing the freedom to run any application on virtually any device anywhere on the network. AMD MXGPU is the world's first hardware virtualized GPU. MXGPU brings the full power and features of a physical GPU to VDI. Users get powerful 3D rendering and consistent performance for all their applications. For all users, security is paramount. So instead of having to have crazy GPUs in a mobile device like a laptop or a tablet or a phone or on certain servers in your data center, you can have these centralized graphics cards that are divvied out to your devices on demand as they require graphics card compute power. So is this, if I'm understanding this correctly, is this going to make old laptops great again? Boy, you know, it could. It could also make cheap laptops capable of doing ah. really high-end 3D tasks. They, there may All be, the network only. There may, there may be some sort of requirement of higher-end technology to enable this to happen, so that's why it might not work with older hardware. But mm. if there wasn't, then yes. Oh, sure. It's right. kind of there like – go ahead. There is another gist to it. We're just moving to phones that convert into full desktops yes. where you dock things. This is where you will need these yes. graphics cards. In fact, uh, stay tuned for our Kickstarter of the week on that particular topic. Uh, exactly. Essentially, you can take that GPU load, and th- it's a virtualized GPU that has hardware-backed performance. That's pretty interesting. Speaking of hardware-backed performance, look at this next story. Michigan police are 3D printing a murder victim's fingers to try to unlock his phone. So instead of going wow. the FBI route and getting Apple or whoever to hack the phone, huh. they're going this route. They're trying yeah. to recreate his fingers. Sil- silicone mold? Yeah. Well, so totally. it's, and then just it's wear tricky. It. You put it on somebody else's thumb? Well, it's, it's, it's actually it's kind of tricky. I actually, well, my, my notes aren't coming through here. Uh, hold on a second. Cause, uh, it's, Showstopper. It's, so here's what they say. Is, uh, 
the problem would be twofold. Number one, they need to get access to this phone, but they don't know which finger he used. <laughs> right? So they got it yeah. so they had to they had to three D print all ten fingers. Okay. So that was probably Which number they one. only had because he had a criminal record? Well, he's dead. It's a, it's a victim. Oh, oh, okay. He's dead. Okay. So, yeah. oh, okay. Um, and uh, then the other problem they had was the fingerprint readers are capacitive, meaning they your finger is connecting some of the circuitry, creating a circuit, and you have to have that component for it to work, which means it generally has to be a live finger. So what they figured out is since 3D plastic doesn't carry any electrical charges like human skin does, they coated the artificial fingerprints in a thin layer of metallic particles, enabling the scanner to then read them. Wow. Yeah. They have not yet handed over the artificial fingerprints to the police because more tests are in order, they say. Were they able to unlock it, though, or is that what they're still waiting on? I don't know. They're testing, they're testing it on a test phone right now, so I don't know. Huh. Yeah. It seems to me that uh, they have too, uh, too much of a big budget and uh, too much of cool toys to do. And, uh, you know, it's too much of a danger to have their ability for police to do that because it's a little step away from planting evidence in the future. Oh, so geez. I'm sorry. No. Mm, you know, now and you know what I think is they didn't need to wait for a dead guy to try to do this. Well, that's true. You know, like you could. I'm sure this isn't the first attempt either. You could right? use a control group like of live people. <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway. Or kill a guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're going to have dual, they'll have dual factor authentication biometric style. It'll be, it'll have to be, you know, here's where it'll start. It'll be fingerprint and it'll be fingerprint and retina. And then they'll get like right. some way they'll be able to like look at the pulse in your veins and your eyeball and see. Wasn't this in the Matrix? Well, there is. I know there was a couple of movies like um, Judge Dredd. What is it? Which movie is it where they take the guy's eyeball out and put it on a pencil and use <laughs> access the doors? Oh, gross! I can't remember. And there's uh, one where they cut off the hand. Demolition Man, I think it was. Yeah, exactly. It it happens. It happens huh. in Hollywood. Okay, so this kind of feels like the future. So I thought let's keep our future train going here. Check this thing out. It's a robot that will grow all the food you need. No more feeling guilty about your dead garden. I call BS already. It does the square foot gardening technique. Yeah, which we tried. It can grow cabbages to pumpkins to anything. It does the watering, the seed planting. Look at that. Look at that precise watering. It gives each plant specific care that it needs individually. Okay, and you can also just starve while your crop is is wait, you know, while you're waiting for it. Well, I mean, you have you have what? No, no. I mean, you know, this is like in springtime yeah, when you're planting your garden, you set this up. This it, it's interesting. It uses way less water. It uses a camera to detect weeds. And it, Great. Yeah, and then it kills the weeds. Look at that. It stamps the weeds out while they're fresh. It then plots them. Oh, Use them. Yeah, yeah. This it, is so cool. Uh-huh. I know, isn't I it? I can see somebody adapting this for growing marijuana. Yo, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. This is how you get precise cannabis growth. Exactly. Yeah, and of course, it has a web UI to manage the whole thing. Uh, I think wow. it's kind of a neat idea. Yeah, it's, it and is. in this particular demo, they also solar powered it. Wow. So it's solar powered this used for ages? What, what something kind of like this or what? Yeah, something kind of like this. What? It has been used for ages in the space station for experiments. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yep. Uh, the uh, So they call it uh, FarmBot Genesis. It's a project to <laughs> alleviate concerns of today's modern food need, uh, growth needs. You can find it at farmbot.io. That's great. Yeah, it is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. And they have a couple of videos up on their site. With the current food production system, one cannot look past 
how broken it is. And they did a crowdfunding, so I don't want to go too far into it because they're still working on that right now. We have a Kickstarter of the week. In fact, this one almost made it to our Kickstarter of the week, but you mentioned it. You're the one that said it first, Ange, so let's talk about it next. I think you might have been the one that submitted this story to the show. I can't remember where this one came in. You know, we have different sources for stories like these. Uh, So... Most women can agree. Periods are annoying and painful. They suck. One company wants to turn painful periods into chill periods using marijuana, a drug known for medicinal as well as recreational uses. The weed capsule has been dubbed Foria Relief by the company Foria, which also launched a popular marijuana-infused sexual lubricant. The capsule is a small cocoa butter-based insert that is being marketed as a pain reliever for women's menstrual cramps. The tampon-sized vaginal suppository is blended with a 6 to 1 ratio of THC, oil concentrate, and CBD isolate, respectively. THC works by targeting the nerves to block out pain, while CBD acts as an anti-inflammatory and as an antispasmodic by treating muscle spasms that occur from menstruation and ovulation. You know, that CBD stuff is legit. I think that's going to be one of the I think that's going to be one of the profit centers of cannabis once people get get their heads around CBD. See, I thought it was a pill that you swallow, but a, a no, suppository that's the size of a tampon? No, thank you. You didn't know that when you saw it? Look at that headline. The tampon well, I, might be the end of your I period thought, cramps. I thought they were being creative with their ads and being like while you're on your period using tampons. No, here's what it says. When, yeah. when inserted into the vagina, these wow. cannabis tampons provide powerful pain relief. Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't actually read the article. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's our job. <laughs> I, yeah, pass. You know, I actually think it's a great idea. The thing is, Kind of makes I, me wish I was a woman. I, yeah. uh, sir, sure why are get... you buying this pack of cannabis tampons? <laughs> Don't ask questions. Uh, also, I need this coconut oil. Questions. What about pregnancy and impacts on uterus and those things? Um, I don't know. I guess you probably wouldn't. Right. You probably wouldn't need it if you're pregnant. Hopefully, of yeah. course, unless you catch it afterwards. No, I understand. I understand. What I mean is, like in the long term, if you do these continuous use, is usually the, the the tests that pills are subject to. It's like how does it impact somebody mm-hmm. that has been fertility. consuming this fertility, right? Right. Yeah, I know. I think in men, I think in men, it's been shown to reduce uh, sperm count. I think that's the thing. So, yeah. So they, they, they don't swim well. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, when I was going to uh, try to induce labor, I did primrose oil, which are like normal, like vitamin sized capsules. We, this is so tech oriented right now. And it was, it was oral and vaginal. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, as soon as the outer shell of it like breaks down, that stuff's coming out of you. Yeah. Like, so I don't even, yeah. you know. Interesting idea. I wouldn't want. If Even anybody out there has a chance to try it and wants to do a Tech Talk out. Today review. Yes, yeah, please, yeah. please email it. You know, actually, it's not far off for the show to sometimes wander off into the health aspect of things. What? I might have a girlfriend. I could have a girlfriend. <laughs> Chatroom. <laughs> Uh, it's not so – there was a period of time where I was kind of reporting back on some health issues that I was struggling with. So I want to do a quick update. So that's Angela's health moment. I need a health moment jingle. You know, I need something every time I sit yeah. down to does – here, I got to – I secretly use Arch Linux. That's no, not quite it yet, but I'll get there. <laughs> so uh, for those – just a quick recap. I experiment from time to time with an app called Sleep as Android. It runs on your phone and, and it can uh, monitor several things like noise levels, light levels. Um, and it also pulls in outside weather conditions and, and factors all of that in and draws metrics around your sleep for that. But then in addition to that, it can use the gyro in the phone or if you have a wearable from anything from pretty much like a, a Fitbit that supports sleep to uh, an Android watch or a Pebble, 
it will use the sensors in that, including their heart rate monitors, to evaluate your sleep throughout the night, which is, uh, you know, after doing some reading, which is essentially what the at-home sleep apnea studies do. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty fascinating. Uh, the, on top of that, it works uh, with monitoring your sleep cycle to use their intelligent alarm so that we know, if it notices, you can, hey, you can say, hey, sleep is Android. I have a 30-minute window here, and if you notice at one point in this 30-minute window that I'm more awake than not, go ahead and wake me up then. Don't wait for the alarm right at the, just that particular moment. Take advantage of when I'm naturally waking up to just sort of gently. And it's sort of nice, too, because the way it starts is if you have a partner, it's, it's great because it, I can have it start on my watch. So it starts by vibrating my watch for a few minutes, and then if I don't respond to that, my watch makes noise, and then if I don't respond to that, my phone makes noise, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, and it can also integrate with things like uh, Hughes lights and whatnot, so that way if you get up to go pee in the middle of the night, you can turn the Hughes lights on like 10% so you don't Blast your eyes. Yeah, wake um, yourself up too much. Yeah, and so I, I was uh, I was looking at you know um, the part of the cloud aspect of Sleep as Android and seeing what that offers. And this is something called Sleep Cloud, and this is something I've signed up for and I've been participating in. And they recently released a bunch of sleep stats from other people like me that have the same setup that are tracking their sleep. And so this is kind of interesting because they have some great data here. Uh, they say most of the data came from the Western world, but there was some from other locations. I give a heat map of different areas, including some from Africa and, of course, from any of the Western world and even that Canada place. There's uh, three types of snores, occasional, in-between, and serious that exist in the population. Each type of snoring duration follows different patterns over time. Most people do not snore at all, and the heaviest snorers spend 40% of their night snoring. That's kind of interesting. That is interesting, and it's almost it's uh, you are a serious snorer. You think so? I think so, but it is. It depends a, it, on my sleep. Apnea. It is only between thirty and forty percent, though, definitely because yeah. it's just the first couple hours usually. Um, it was interesting too that the smart alarm seems to have a positive effect on the morning. About thirty percent of alarms get snoozed for longer than thirty minutes, and setting up a smart alarm prevents oversleeping. They show people near the equator seem to get the least amount of sleep. Weird. Uh, people who wake up, even with small, slight improvements in their sleep ratings, seem to have uh, much. Seem to be reporting in much better moods throughout the day. So, what made you start tracking your sleep again? Um, well, I've just sort of been not feeling particularly like I've been well rested for a while. I can, I kind of can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I can tell mostly because I do this show or I do these shows, and I can tell when my when I when when my mental facilities are not up to speed with the multitasking required. So I've been watching it for a bit, and so I, that's why I decided. Well, I'm going to put some data into the sleep cloud system and, and have it sort of visualize it for me. And uh, so I'm sharing this with the audience, hoping that somebody else out there uses this same system because I've talked about it a few times now, and I would love to compare my data with your data just a bit here because here I'm showing mine from last night. And there was only three moments in the night where I hit REM sleep, and none of them lasted for longer than 10 minutes. And I'm wondering, is that normal? Is that just the normal sleep? Or is that me having a particularly bad time? You can see my activity all night long remains pretty constant. That's the green line. And the red line there is my heart rate. So my heart rate's pretty high, too, throughout the night, which is not – Super encouraging. Well, and wait. Um, here's uh, here's Sunday night before the Linux Action Show. One ten minute period between five nineteen a.m. and five twenty nine a.m. I got REM sleep. Yeah, that is. Yeah. One you, period you in the whole night. So angry when the kids would wake you up that early in the morning because that is when you get your sleep. And see, then right here, uh, again, ten minutes uh, around two a.m. and uh, twenty minutes at six forty a.m. It doesn't seem normal to me. No. So anyways. And it's interesting to see when your green line spikes, so does your heart rate. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've noticed because that too. It's likely because of uh, you're having an apnea at that point. Yeah. Now here's a good twenty solid twenty minutes of REM sleep I got. But here, but even not that much longer. So that's at four a.m. and then five a.m. I actually got up. Look at your heart rate. That's pretty uh, steady. Yeah, that night. Yeah. Did you drink that night? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, sometimes no, I wonder if the sensor doesn't work too. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, that, yeah. It could be a sensor. Well, and that's issue. why you're asking if anybody else uses it because mm-hmm. you want to compare. Like, are you are are you also having this kind of Result. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. I really have to go back to the first of the month to see a night where I got more than 20, 15 minutes or so of you know thirty minutes of REM sleep. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious. So am I able to use this? Because I, I mean, I could try to see. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know if they have an iPhone version of it. Oh, okay. We, good luck. Uh, is there a hot? Is it hot up there in Washington? Not super hot. No. No. I, it is. I, I, it is interesting. I, I look at the data. I didn't sleep substantially better on the road trip, but I did sleep better. Um, and so I thought maybe it was allergies, you either, know, leaving the state. Yeah, either that or, I mean, you were doing more recreational, more yeah, moving around. lots of swimming. You know, so that might have yeah. helped your body fatigue. I tried to, you know, I've, I've actually experimented with that too. Like I, uh-huh. I signed up for the gym over there for just a week. I just got a week pass and uh-huh. swam a few nights and didn't really seem to make a huge... I'm, try, I'm probably, trying to dial cumulative. it down. Yeah, I, but this is where I think it's super cool to bring in technology. Yep. And because when I go to the doctor, they're just blank on this stuff right they're blank and they Dude, don't i know i went to the doctor the allergy doctor talked about my nickel allergy today yeah. and they're not was, specialists no and so i i'm sorry i'm sorry but this is like one of those things that i might be more of an american issue like first of all what, i'm what, sorry the, the doctor the, the, the thing of the doctor the thing that you know because Mainly, you hear about seventy to a hundred dollars weeks, and like in here, we tend in Europe, we tend to have limits of forty hour, thirty five hour week, and you know when you have that, and then you have maybe a general doctor that you can visit frequently, and you do visit frequently. Those things are usually great, greatly reduced. Stress builds up, and you end up needing all these things. But unfortunately, I see technology as being something that instead of helping us free ourselves to be to having more time for us, actually helping us to free ourselves to do more work. Because our employees say, "Oh, now they can use this app to properly coordinate." If they don't do it; it's their fault, and they can actually uh, keep picking on you to to do more and more. Yeah, and I think that's. I feel that that's a little bit. I think that's definitely fortunate. true to an extent. I don't know if the two things are mutually exclusive. I think you can have technology that sort of becomes more of an entrapment and sort of a system that becomes something that you have to, the ultimate. Like you're kind of inferring, you know, clock punching mechanism. Uh, but I think also one of the things I've definitely sort of learned over the last five to six years of my life is um, there is really no reason I can't figure most things out if I just have enough time to research it and put myself to the task. There's enough. There are enough things out there, enough information sources, there are enough people out there trying things, there's enough ways you can read that you can usually work your way through, like, uh, for example, um, I, I, I never, this is not a great example, I never, ever, ever would have thought I would have been a guy that's doing oil changes on my generator. But it turns out, I watch two YouTube videos, I'm like, oh, okay, and I go get the, I go get the PDF, I go Google the PDF for the Onan generator online, and, and within 15 minutes, it's, it's done. Right. And it's it is so there is also an enablement of having access. So the fact that I had my phone in my pocket out there when I'm looking at this own generator and I could look at the PDF and be like that's definitely the same thing I'm looking at uh, to me is a, is is huge. Like that's a huge enabler. Also with this sleep stats, 
If I get a couple of people saying, oh, yeah, that's typical, that's how REM works, or if I get a couple of people saying, no, man, you should be getting way more REM sleep, that's useful input for me because then I can make adjustments in my life with diet and exercise and all of that, and I can quantify the improvements I'm making, and right. I don't waste my time doing things that don't improve the situation. Exactly. I was just going to say, he's not becoming a slave to this app. He's using it as a foundation for figuring out what might work for his health. I understand. I understood, but aren't we paying? Don't we have a system to let people build expertise for this? Oh, yes. sure, yes. It's, it's yeah. kind of, it's but, kind of it, that, but those, I, you know, uh, I have, I have really. So the way it would have to work here is, I would, I would go to my general practice doctor. I would begin the process with them of troubleshooting this thing that I have, and they would ex- they would extinguish their knowledge on the situation. They would then refer me to a sleep expert who would then contact me a week later and schedule me an appointment to come in. I would then come in and have a meeting with that person. I would do an interview with them. They would ask me questions. I, w- I could present them this data, which they would completely throw out the window and say, oh, well, I don't know. You know, those aren't medical equipment. I don't know anything. I can't, I can't base anything on that. Why don't we do a sleep study, Mr. Fisher? Then I do a sleep study, and at the end, I get a diagnosis, but none of my questions around this will have been answered. Like, and I want to be able to quantify things like if I have a glass of wine with dinner, does it relax my throat muscles in a way that I legitimately have much worse sleep apnea? Does that does do I do I have a condition in which I I can't enjoy a glass of wine at, at night or if I have a glass of wine, does it make no difference? And so that even those kinds of answers, because the doctor is going to say, well, it's possible. But yeah. I really want to know the answer right. to and it. And of course, liabilities and all that jazz. But I had the same thing today. I, I, you know, chocolate has nickel in it and I should avoid it technically. But my doctor couldn't tell me like how, how much. much. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in fact, I said, well, do you think you can refer me to a nutritionist? And she said, yes, I can, but it won't be covered on your insurance. Unless you have diabetes, there's no medical reason for you to have a nutritionist. And I call BS on that because I need to know nickel is in everything. I even called the city of Marysville to figure out if our water has too much nickel in it for me to be drinking all day if I need to find an alternative source. And I guess this goes back to what I said. It might be more of an American issue due to how your system works. Yeah, our system uh, like is a little jacked. When you, when, you, when you do have that amount of hours of work, you do have that system of access to help. I guess mm-hmm. it does make a bigger difference in your market. Just look, I was just trying to say that, like, I think the root causes are on the systems in place, maybe. Because yeah. when you can work, when you can be put to the stress of 100 hours a week, and perhaps you, you feel much bigger need of this. And what I'm saying is not that the, he's a slave of the technology. I'm saying that it becomes to a point that people start needing the technology because otherwise they don't get the rest. You know what else and I found at the same is- time tries to push other people that are not on it and are are currently trying to fight in terms of labor rights on their employees, then the consequence is when you go to a negotiation and you go and you say, look, $100 a week is not the sensible thing to ask somebody, uh, they will just say, well, these many people do it and they have found solution. You know what I find? Here's what I think is particularly unique about the sleep angle of this. When I'm asleep, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so uh, I am able to sort of have visibility on an aspect of my life that is normally completely 
unknown to me. And um, I don't know really how well, uh, how good a quality of sleep I get because when I sleep bad, I can usually go a couple of days before I really notice it. It's like the third day. I'm like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. But then what? I got to rewind time and figure out what I did. So it's so nice to have a yeah. snapshot into that. I've posted uh, my last night's data up on Twitter. And if anybody else would want to just take a screenshot and send it to see, show me what theirs looks like, I'll show you mine. Now you can show me yours <laughs> at Chris LAS. I posted that shenanigans up there. Um, and, you know, I don't – I mean, yeah, you, we can get into the whole doctor and, and insurance discussion. But in reality, the, the, the D-bag term is quantifiable self. But I actually do – I actually find it to be fascinating. Yeah. Um, I have had a few – I have had a few several interesting revelations. It, I, it, it, I'm not even joking. Yeah. Uh, this is just one. Uh, it seems to be pretty consistently that a bowl of ice cream affects me much more um, negatively than a glass of wine before, yeah, day, before, well, yeah, before bed. You've always kind of had an issue with dairy. Yeah. So and that's, and but you can shows up. You know, it's yeah. like, ah, oh, there it is. And so yeah. don't. So now, you know what? I have cut that out, mm-hmm. uh, which is good for health reasons. Too. Right. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. There you go. And by the way, one other thing, just speaking of data, if you already have a, C, a CPAP machine, you already have and you have sleep apnea, you've been diagnosed with that. Uh, there is a really cool piece of tech out there called Sleepyhead available for Linux, Mac, and Windows. It only works with certain CPAP machines, but it gives you all this data. Well, a lot of data, too. Cool. Lots of data that you can just get right off your CPAP. Yeah. It's called Sleepyhead, um, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Hey, do you want your CPAP? It's in a box. In yeah, I room. probably should. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I hate it so much, but well. I probably should. Um, all right. So are you ready to move on, stop talking about health, and kick it? Yes. Kick it! All right. We were talking wow. about... The whole convergence thing. That's the super book. Turn your smartphone into a laptop for only $99. They had a goal of $50,000. They've raised $777,000, still with 25 days to go. 5,200 backers already. Everybody wants to do this. Everybody wants the super book. It's your point of connection to the people and the world around you. It's also an incredibly powerful computer. The speed and power of our smartphones rarely hold us back, but the small screens and limited interface often do. That's why we created the Superbook, a simple plug-and-play device that turns your Android smartphone into a beautiful laptop computer. Just connect your phone to the Superbook using a USB cable. The Superbook provides the keyboard, multi-touch trackpad, and display. And your smartphone brings the computing power, along with your files and apps. And of course, the Superbook can use your smartphone's data, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth connectivity. The Superbook has over eight hours of battery life, and it even charges your smartphone. It works with all modern Android devices, and it's future-proof. When you get a new smartphone, it'll still work with your Superbook. It's like getting a brand new laptop every time you upgrade. Starting at just $99, the Superbook is a fraction of the cost of a traditional laptop and is even more convenient. Hi, I'm Andrew, co-founder of Andromium, makers of the Superbook. I was frustrated with having such a powerful smartphone, but with an interface designed purely for mobile use. Our goal with the Superbook is to eliminate the restrictions that hold smartphones back. The software side of the Superbook is Andromium, an app that makes Android function like a familiar desktop operating system. You get a mouse cursor, keyboard shortcuts, desktop class browsing, and easy file management. Everything is intuitive and optimized for productivity. There's no custom firmware to install and no technical knowledge needed. Simply download the app from the Play Store Mm. and connect to your Superbook. You can use one of our native apps or any of the millions of Android apps in the Play Store. We're also introducing an open SDK to enable developers to add Andromium optimization to their apps. 
We've already released a beta version of Andromium in the Play Store. I don't like it's the received name. hundreds of thousands of downloads and extremely positive reviews. We've been developing the Superbook and Andromium for over a year, and we're excited to finally release them. Our prototypes are complete, and we're ready to move into full production. We're looking for your support to help us make this new kind of computing a reality. The Superbook is just the beginning, and we're excited for you to be a part of it. How? Thanks for your support. Yeah! I wonder what the battery drain is on that. So, no, it charges. It oh, charges, because that's I'm sure it just has a huge you know, battery so- slab under the keyboard. You know, this is, this is something that reminds me of like the Moto Dock, uh, where you could um, um, it had HDMI and Mini USB, and as long as the device you were connecting supported those things, mm-hmm. it would use the keyboard as a USB device, and the, and the trackpad as a USB device, and the HDMI powered the display. I think that's what's going on here, but it works with more Android devices because it's using the standard. Uh, there's a standard connection technology there. I'm drawing blanking on the name. Um, but it makes me wonder then, yeah, the Palm Folio. It also was another thing like this. It makes me wonder if this would work with things like the Raspberry Pi. I mean, they talk about using it with a smartphone, but could you use it with a Pi potentially? That This actually, not for how they advertise it, but for all the other things I could use something like this for is actually kind of interesting to me. Um, and yeah, I think they have a big battery slab underneath that keyboard. Mm-hmm. So you, when you plug in the phone, it actually recharges your phone, which is pretty slick. So it said it works with a lot of apps. Are there apps that it wouldn't work with? I would think you're going to have two problems. First problem being is your, so the environment you run in, it sounds like it's their Andronium uh, app that you download. And it launches when you hook up the USB port and connect to the dock. It starts. So then you can run Android apps in there. But the issue is, is you're driving now an external display over a slower connection technology than what's what the physical connection is in the ah. phone device. So I, I would think some of these Android devices are going to struggle to power that properly if you do something like games or sure. whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Kind of neat, I think. I mean, the theory that you could hook up other devices kind of gets me the most uh, excited, not really for the uh, desktop capabilities. I don't need yet another desktop environment. Isn't it interesting, though, like when you use Android as a desktop, like just if you do that, you get – an actual version of Microsoft Word and Excel released by Microsoft. You get an official Reddit application. You get a Telegram. You get a Hulu app. You get a you mean everybody makes apps for Android. Method. It's like the most app rich environment that you could run on a desktop because you can't run iOS on the desktop. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. That could make this book kind of successful just right there potentially. I don't know, Mom. What do you guys yeah. think? I think that uh, there's too many phones that are crap, and uh, yeah. many people will try with their crap phones yeah. and blame it on the device. I think you're probably right. I think you're going to have to have uh, you're going to have to have a pretty powerful phone. The pricing seems about right, Ange. You can get a double pack for one ninety eight, but the the base one ninety nine bucks. A double pack? You can get two of them. Yeah. Interesting, because they assume that your spouse or significant Maybe. other has. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You don't have two phones. Well, okay. Normal people don't have two phones. Chris? You know, you know what? <laughs> well, that's because you're not in Portugal. Apparently, it's calculated that every citizen has about three phones. Hey-o. Oh, interesting. I like you know, this, I have, though. I have, like, I have three on my desk. I know. So. I keep thinking we'll I eventually give not, one to the kids. Yeah, they're and not they, all working. But, they, could, they could use something I mean, like this, too. They're not all in use, is what I mean. Uh, yeah. Okay, I, isn't this what Ubuntu is trying to do with Convergence? Yeah, it is. It is. Only this is all running on top of Android, and the, uh, the desktop environment appears to be an Android app. Uh, environment and not like a full desktop environment. So it's not... You know, this would be great for a college student. Yeah. 
I, the one the one thing I do wrap my head around is the one thing they said, which is totally a marketing gimmick, but it's like getting a new laptop every time you upgrade your phone. Oh, that is kind of true. Like hmm. you do kind of upgrade your phone at least every two years or so, and if you keep this thing and use new devices with right. it, that right. actually will be kind of cool. That, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's essentially. I mean, it does. It does have a little bit of magic in it, but it's essentially just having a keyboard, mouse, and display hooked up to the Android phone. Yeah, yeah, all in one nice package that's portable, yeah. like a laptop, and silent. I'm, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's going to come down to the details. Like, what's that keyboard like? They showed a shot where they're yeah. like with key presses, and the whole keyboard flexed when they press the button. Oh I'm like, my gosh! <laughs> like, that's, I wouldn't have put that in the Kickstarter video, there, guys. But. I'm going to say if it was me and I was throwing around Kickstarter money right now, I'd back this. I think I would back this. 11.6-inch HD display, 8-plus hours of battery, charges your phone simultaneously, multi-touch trackpad uh, with Android navigation keys, including home and the multi-app switcher. You know what? I think it's actually kind of a cool idea. And I don't know if it's for me, but I think the concept is pretty solid. And they include also, look at this, you can get a super bundle with clips to clip the phone onto the side of the screen. Yeah, I saw it, yeah. It <laughs> yeah, looks like, a little hokey. Yeah, it does look a little hokey. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. There you go. I so, wonder if it acts as a second display. Like, why would you need it uh, oh, attached like that? That would be really cool if it does, yeah. Because yeah. n- none of the videos or pictures do they actually show that. But yeah. that would be really – because then you could have like – I guess uh, it makes sense. It, it might I – I, I doubt it. I think they would have – put that as a feature i bet they have to do that because the cable is so short and they in this situation you wouldn't want your phone hanging off your leg you know right you wouldn't yeah the cable is super short yeah Yeah. so why not built in into the case so that you can actually put it like a dock because then it's only going to fit certain phones though motorola tried that that's true yeah Yeah. that is although yeah they say it works they say that like in the video like it works with all kinds of android devices well, it's it's compatible with modern Android devices, they say, including the Galaxy and the Galaxy Note, the LG, the Nexus phones, HTC, Sony Xperia, Blue, and Hawaii. So that's actually – all right. As long as your – this is what it was. I couldn't remember the name. As long as your phone supports USB OTG, mm. which, has been, which has been around for a while. So that's the super book. Whenever you get a new Android phone, you get a new laptop. So what do you think? Fund? Not fund? Yeah, I think that's a good one. Say yes. Says iOS user. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> we got a mumble agreement and an edge agreement. WW, you are awfully silent, though. I mean, do you want to be the one objector? It's already been tipped, but if you want to. F- <laughs> no, you guys can have it. I, I just don't see a <laughs> use you. for this. Also, um, for me, uh, one reason why this screen might not be a, a second display is because it might be using all of the phone to help yeah. process all the Oh, yeah, sure. And if it isn't, it probably should be. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Yeah. Hmm. It's just probably lagging both screens. But we'll yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I want to mention funding the JB Network. I got something up my sleeve I want to tell you guys about in a minute. But patreon.com slash today, that's where you go. You know, we've been posting the full live stream uh, for our patrons. I'm also, the swag just went out recently. Yep. And we always have nice perks we like to do. There's always more things we have up our sleeve. So this week, I want to do something new for the patrons, and you can still sign up and get in on this at patreon.com slash today. I don't know what came over me last night. I don't know why this finally happened after six freaking months. I got a hair at my butt, and I... (laughs) I went together. I got all the scale footage together, and I've put. I've I've created two new episodes of the Rover Log. Oh yes! 
Yes. Yeah. And the you fir- know, I was going to mention that the other day, but I didn't want you to feel bad. I know. I know. So I did I feel bad. No. And, yeah, I know. So the first, and here's what's great is it's been six months, and so I forgot about some of it until <laughs> watching this. So the first episode is uh, switching from the JB Rover to Lady Jupiter and. Uh, a uh, quick tour of that, but then all of the technical challenges that I ran into because it's a huge brand new vehicle and it has lots of problems and we just got in it and just drove. We Two hours into the road trip, we switched vehicles and then drove that all the rest of the way. So a whole bunch of problems we ran into. Then uh, also my, I have a little bit of the Mark Shuttleworth keynote in there, a little Cory Doctorow and my thoughts on that. Um, so that's the first episode. It's a, it's a great episode. Then the second episode which is only going to be available to patrons for a while. First episode will be available to everybody. Second episode I'm going to release immediately to patrons. I'll release it to everyone else in a little bit. Second episode is us returning from scale and driving into the tornado. Oh, oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking life or death yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And, and we got it and on genuine, camera. <laughs> yeah, genuine... Uh, Fear. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I was, like, scared. And, like, not only anxiety. was I scared for my life... But this was um, the very first maiden voyage, and we drive into a tornado, and it, yeah. we thought, thought stuff. And I don't even know. I can't. I just, just. I'm just saying. Didn't know for sure if the insurance had kicked in yet. Yeah. So, so here's the thing <laughs> that you have to consider. Like you know, like in in any kind of movie where a boat is going to sink, there's that yeah, you know yeah, sound yeah, that like yeah, like, yeah. like the, yeah. something's buckling and, yeah. and it's about that. It's funny you say that. That is what I felt when he sent me the videos yeah. you know in, in via yeah. telegram yeah. uh it, the legit uh yeah. this is not a drill uh thing from the radio yeah like, yeah it was very you know, serious like, oh so that's my gosh. that's the second episode i'll be posting it for everyone later but i'm going to post it today yeah, so. most of them both of them first one will be going out for everybody second one will be going out for just the patrons today and then we'll be released to everybody later patreon.com slash today so that's the second episode then and then uh, after the tornado it's our crazy 12-hour drive to make it home in time just this massive mad drive we did and capturing that and boy does my hair get just disheveled it's the worst <laughs> it's, i've never gone on camera with my hair like that before <laughs> it's real bad it's all over the place but you know it's all in the pursuit of documenting the event. Uh, Patreon.com slash today if you want to check it out. Also, something we haven't mentioned for a while, Instagram.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Look at the nice pictures of the stickers. Okay, oh. so do you see the background there? What I see, do you tech, see Tech Talk Today playing yeah. in the background. Yeah. Nice. Two laptops adorned with, uh, you know, all the best geeky stickers, but specifically Jupiter Broadcasting yeah, stickers. I love it. And, um, yep, while watching or listening to <laughs> Tech Talk Today. The chat room says, <laughs> chat room says, uh, hashtag Jupiter Broadcasting Storm Chasers. <laughs> <laughs> I did, it does kind of feel like that, although, and I will admit, and I don't know if it's totally clear in the video, uh, when it first started happening, we were so curious if it was actually real because mm-hmm. when we're driving, it's it's rainbows and clouds. Like there's no tornado at right, first when we right. first get one. So we we probably made the mistake of uh, of continuing. Why are they pulled have. over? Why yeah. are they pulling off the road? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on here? There's no emergency vehicles. Well, exactly. JupiterBroadcasting.com forward slash stickers. You didn't mention that. But. Actually, no. That's where I was just going next. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash stickers. Tell me about it. What's uh, what's over there, Ange? What would I find uh, perhaps perchance? Well, we have nine different stickers, eight show stickers, one Jupiter Broadcasting sticker, you know, you know, shows and Jupiter Broadcasting. I actually have two more new stickers on the way. What? One, what? 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 Uh, they're not on the page yet, so you cannot order them. But oh. I have a faux show sticker coming, 
And I have a new Linux Unplugged sticker. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be, I think, a limited edition because, honestly, I don't think people are going to like it that much. Oh, really? <laughs> but I, Yeah, but I wanted to buy it anyway just because it uh, – I don't know. It's it's different. It'll definitely stand out on your laptop. I know that much. So mm. uh, anyway, so mm, two I'm, new stickers. I'm very, very curious. I can't wait to two. see it. Uh, all right. So you find those at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash stickers, techtalktoday.reddit.com. That's where you go to submit links, stories, and kickstarters of the week to this show. Thank you to everybody who does it. You are unsung heroes. Mumble Room, we'd love to have more of you join us if you could. We're doing this show on Monday afternoons after Coda Radio. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And then jblive.tv to watch it. We have a chat room there. It's embedded. Mm-hmm. You do bang mumble. That's That, by the way, is the exclamation mark. Bang mumble, and it'll give you our mumble server info. <laughs> and you don't even need to install anything because it's embedded. The um, chat room. For mumble, you yep. have to install mumble. Yes. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Okay. Um, Mosenrath says that he needs a Noah Switch Me to Linux sticker. And do I we do, still have those? Well, I gave them all to Noah, but I found a little stash in my purse. I'm trying to convince so that I got to fly out more. here for a few projects. So yeah. if I do, I'll, I'll, get, I'll have him bring them with him maybe. Oh, and, no, 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 no. Oh, no, just, oh yeah, because he can hand them out. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, you see, we have one of there he's waiting to actually take it off the backing and that's stick it great. to the studio once we're all that's great yeah. yeah so i will i will try to get that up when i get the other new stickers up Mosenrath. so yeah right. look forward to that sticker as well so i'm going to go randomly through the time vortex and go back into the 90s i have literally no idea what clip commercials coming next it's a grab bag i throw a whole bunch of different stuff in there we'll see what it is so this is our end of show clip thanks for being here we'll see you back here next week Watch me trick Fred out of his fruity pebbles. Yes! Safety rapper! Fruity, fruity pebbles, here I come. I'll teach you to dance if you give me some. He really loves my pebbles. Mmm, five fruity flavors, very fine. Orange, lemon, green, cherry, and lime. It's pebbles time. Break it down. Fruity, fruity pebbles time. Barney, my pebbles. Time to wrap things up. Post fruity pebbles cereal. Out of Mr. Trick's.